Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us as we seek to establish Christ followers who live in obedience to God's Word and make an impact in their community and the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Brad continues in his sermon series titled Counter Culture as he shares how the church can remain calm in the midst of the storm with a biblical response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Are you ready to make an impact for Christ? The time is now. Welcome to Impact Church. If you're visiting with us first, second, third, fourth, fifth time, whatever it is, we're glad you're here. We're glad the Lord's led you here. We hope that if you're searching for a church home, the Lord would stop you right here and captivate you through his spirit on what he is doing to be a part of this church. So welcome. We hope the Lord leads you right here. We'd love to meet you and do ministry and life together with you. So guys, today we want to continue our series that we've been in now for a couple weeks. And and I want to set the stage with this. The the previous two weeks are of utmost importance for everybody to listen to before we go in to not only really this message, but specifically more over the coming weeks. Because we talked about what this series is about. What's the biblical basis for a series like this? What's the heart behind this? And then last week, we spoke very clearly about absolute versus relative truth. Because if we do not grasp that concept, everything we're going to talk about in the weeks to follow is really going to be meaningless. If you don't believe absolute truth comes from God's word and what he says, then you're going to fall for relative truth in any form or fashion. So hear those messages, hear the heart behind that, because it's going to really kind of lead into everything we talk about over the coming weeks. But today we have a message that is right up front and center with everybody in this room and what we're dealing with, every single one of us. This is a message that in planning this series that was going to come later down the road, but the Lord, through everything we've been facing the the past couple weeks and, and days specifically, threw it right up here. So today, the message is called Calm in the Midst of the Storm. And we're going to be talking about and looking at a biblical perspective to what we're all facing right now in this pandemic, okay? So what I thought about, you know, those of you who know me know I'm also a physical therapist, and there's something that we deal with from time to time in physical therapy, and it's even a a legitimate cause of death that'll show up on a death certificate sometimes, and it's called failure to thrive. Some of you that are in the medical field, you've heard that. Maybe you have uh, older parents that you, that you uh, care for. You've heard that terminology, failure to thrive. And basically, it's when a person just comes to a point where they just stop doing. They don't eat. They don't move around. There's no interest in things. They've just kind of fallen back in their life functionally. Well, guys, I know today that through this pandemic and through everything we've experienced with lockdowns and and all the the political arguments and everything going on, and now even people arguing that has nothing to do with politics. We're just arguing over masks and vaccines and open and closed and this and the other, that there's a lot of people that have just backed off. You're living life not like you used to. And in a sense, there's been a failure to thrive. Why? Why? Because there's a storm that's been raging. 
You know, and we're in the middle of hurricane season here. We've had a couple tropical storms come up through here. So I thought it was a very fitting analogy that would kind of drive this home from the start on what God wants us to hear today in this word. And when we look at the storm, the storm of a hurricane, we see this big, massive, destructive force that moves across oceans and makes landfall to cause a lot of pain, a lot of destruction. And inside this huge storm are these rain bands and and wind bands that that cause massive destruction as they hit and a storm surge as it comes across. And what's pretty interesting is the most recognizable part of a hurricane is the eye. That's the most distinguishable characteristic of the whole thing is the eye of the storm. And the eye of this hurricane is the dead center of everything else that's going on. And inside of it, it's calm. It can be 150 mile an hour winds on the edge. And inside of here, it's calm. I want us to think about that as we go through this. It's a focal point of the storm. And get this, above which that point of the eye, the skies are clear. You could be at any other part of that storm, and it's nasty, right? You're getting pelted with wind and rain. You've seen, the, you've seen the dudes on the Weather Channel, and they're trying to, like, stand, and they're, like, talking like this and stuff and hauling themselves. And some of that, I don't know how, you know, fake some of that is, to be honest with you, and for TV. But, I mean, it's pretty interesting to see that, and you see the devastation. If you've ever been in the center of one, you know what that feels like. But in the center, it's calm, and the skies are clear above it. Why? Why is it? What? What? Why is the center of that place clear and calm? Here it is. I did some research for us. Those of you that are interested and maybe going to become a meteorologist one day. It's because of something called the Coriolis force. And this, let me read this because this isn't my words. This is coming off the research I did. The Coriolis force deflects the wind slightly away from the center, causing the wind to rotate around the center of the hurricane, forming the eye wall leaving the exact center, the eye, calm. Here's what's interesting. Okay, great. It's a Coriolis force. Who cares? This is what's perfect. What causes the Coriolis force? Is it something the storm has in its own power and its own might? It's not. The Coriolis force, get this. This is where we're going to get our word today. The Coriolis force is due to the earth's rotation not due to the strength of the storm itself. The calm and the peace that's in the center of a hurricane, guys, has nothing to do of itself. Has nothing to do with the external forces around it. Has everything to do with a force that has nothing to do with the storm itself, the rotation of the earth. Guys, today I want us to hear this word. Spiritually, right now, We know we're in a storm, not just a storm of a pandemic, but a storm of an enemy that's trying to move, divide, and conquer people because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Your enemy, Satan, is on the prowl seeking for someone to devour, and he's using the pandemic in a huge way to devour. So as followers of Christ, what should we look like? How should we respond What would Jesus tell us to do if he were here? It wouldn't be to join the storm 
and fight, fight, fight with all our might and, and come against people and come against flesh and blood, it would be to be the peace, the center in the storm that has nothing to do with ourself and our own strength or who we are, but everything to do with Christ, the external force that gives us the own Coriolis effect on our own spirit to be calm and peace for everybody to see in the midst of the storm we're in. That's what we want to talk about today. So let me pray with us before we dive in because we want to know what would Christ say? right now to us if he were teaching us today. And we know that's impossible for, for anybody to, to truly deem. But as I went through this, I was like, Lord, I'm just a man. I can't tell everybody what you would say. I don't know what exactly you would say. He's like, Brad, you're right. But you know what I would say, and I would go back to my word. And I would teach my word and bring out an example. So that's what we're gonna do today. So let me pray for us before we dive in because we all wanna be the calm in the midst of this storm. Dear Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. And Lord, we want to lift your name high today. Father, we feel your presence. We feel the move of your spirit. And Lord, we just want to speak Jesus over everything, over this place, over your people, Lord, over this message, over this storm that we're in, over every circumstance that's causing arguments and division and problems and pain and death and discouragement and fear. Lord, we just speak you over all of it, Father, because you're the calm in the center of this storm. And Lord, we desire that peace ourselves in our own lives. And Lord, the world is looking for it. The, Lord's not, the world's not looking for the church to, to join in and just fight, fight, fight and lose our testimony. Lord, the, the world's looking for, where's peace? Where's hope? Where's joy at? Lord, help us to exude that because we're still in the flesh. We're still sinners. And Lord, we get frustrated. We get frustrated with people. We get frustrated with mandates. We get frustrated with a lot of things that we don't feel are fair or right. So, Lord, he, help us in the midst of that as we struggle through that. Father, to, to hear your word today and to exude peace, Father, that you want to give us so that we can present to others. Lord, speak to us through your word today and through truth. And, Lord, may we leave here, Father, more in line with you than when we came in. We give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So here we go, guys. I want to read for us a passage today that's really going to kind of speak to what we're in overall. And then we want to look at some truth from what's going on. What have we seen that we've been in this storm now, this pandemic for a, a year and a half? What, what's going on? What, what's been the results of this beyond the obvious, beyond, beyond this, the virus by itself? What's taken place? What's going on? And then what would Jesus say? Like we just talked about at the beginning, how would he teach his church? Because he would not be silent, and he would be teaching us, and he would be showing us points in Scripture and how he's calling us to be the church in this time. So let's look right now at Mark chapter 4. We're going to read verses 35 through 41, and it's a, it's a passage, it's a story you're probably familiar with, but I want to put it back in front of us. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. That's Jesus' words. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, 
do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And their fear, and they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? There's many people right now, as we're in the midst of this storm, and we're crying out right now in fear because we feel Jesus is silent. We feel like he's not stepping in and intervening. And we feel like, and although we know he's with us, we feel like that he doesn't care what we're in and what we're going through because we're experiencing real pain, emotional pain, physical pain, some people, devastating consequences. So the question is, Lord, where are you? We're in a storm. And it's amazing to me what happened when Jesus awoke. It's amazing to me that he was asleep, first of all. Can you imagine you sleep and the waves are coming in the boat? I mean, you know what I'm saying? That brother can sleep. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. It's kind of like me. I'd probably be asleep too like that. My wife, I snore like crazy and I don't wake up for nothing. So Jesus was like that. He was a heavy sleeper. And the, the point of this is that when the disciples woke him and then he calmed the storm, Again, this external force, this godly force that we look for for to bring us peace in the midst of a storm. He says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And I think the Lord would say to us today, in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of our anxiety, in the midst of our depression, first, that, hey, he wants us to know I haven't left you. I'm right here in the boat with you. And although I'm not silent doesn't mean I'm not present. It doesn't mean I'm not in control. Because at any moment, I could stand and speak peace. But right now, I want you to have faith. I want you to not live in fear. And what does that mean? I want you to exude my peace to everybody else in the midst of your storm. He wants us to not be in fear, to live by faith, and to have a peace that the world can see. That points to Jesus. Beautiful understanding and picture as we get ready to go through what we're going to go through today because I want to let you know as you can probably imagine that over the past months year and a half I have been literally bombarded with questions regarding this pandemic <laughs> I mean bombarded left and right and it's okay it's all good but but I hear people's heart I want to know what do you think what does God say that's why we're having this talk today that's why God has led us here in this whole sermon series, and specifically today. Because you get questions on the virus, on the lockdowns, on the masks, on the vaccines, on the mandates. And I want to let you know, first and foremost, I have no secret information that you don't have. Right? You have the same spirit in you that I have in me. You have the same word of God that I do. You have the same information and truth available to you through research that I do. And just be aware, it's starting to get covered up more and more as you start to look, as I found. Stuff that I saw, researches that I saw six months ago, aren't there no more. 
Why is that? I don't know. We'll talk a little bit about that as we go through. But in the midst of all this, we start to see that we need to look at information and try to to definitively see what is true. Because are there some absolute truths inside of this? This virus, this pandemic? Absolutely, there are some. Are there also a lot of relative truths inside of this pandemic and virus? Yes, and rightly so. Because here's the truth. Although we're all in the same storm, we are not all in the same boat. Does that make sense? We all are under different circumstances, have different backgrounds, have different things going on in our bodies with diseases and ailments, have different people that we care for, different people that we're around. So although we're in the same storm, we are not all in the same boat. We have to remember that. So there are some relative truths to this. In other words, we can't demand every single thing we believe on everybody else because it's going to cause further and further division against the church and the world, which we don't want because then we lose what? Our testimony. Does that make sense? If we divide ourselves, and I'm not talking about godliness versus worldliness. We know we're supposed to be set apart right there. But I'm talking about just in terms of people just wanting to even see us coming. If you get to the point in this where people don't even want to see you coming, do you think you're going to be an effective witness for Jesus Christ to them that are lost? No. So we have to see and feel that. So we have to know that people are going to have some varying opinions on this. All right? That's okay. But then inside of that, there are some truths that we can pull out and see, and rightly so. A lot of this is left to almost opinion on who's right and who's wrong and, uh, What's right for you and your family and what's not right for you and your family. And so we have to have grace and mercy toward others with the varying opinions. And we have to stand where we need to stand on on certain topics and certain issues in this and not back down. It's getting really hard because you don't know who to believe anymore. People say one thing one month and next month they're saying something completely opposite. Even the ones that are supposed to be leading our country are doing that. Fauci will come out and say masks aren't effective, then three weeks later, got to put a mask on. It's the best thing you can do. And then he'll come out and say asymptomatic transmission is not possible. And then they'll change the narrative and yeah, it is. I mean, who do you believe? What's going on? I don't know. I don't have all the answers to that. But you have the access to the same information I do, and you have the same spirit of God within you that I do to ask God, what should I do? How how would you have me act? How would you have me be inside of all this chaos, confusion, arguing? What do we do? I can tell you probably who not to believe a lot of times, and that's somebody who has an interest in money, power, or control as a result of this. (laughs) So that might be a red flag as you go through and you look at all this stuff. So in a sense, we come back to a question we kind of looked at last week when Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? What is truth in this, right? What do we have to go on? It's hard to determine at times. Here's the challenge. We as followers of Christ are to be people of truth, right? Truth of God's word first and foremost, but then also truth of what is really happening inside of our culture and where we live. And we should not be deceived, We should not be led astray and led toward fear and everything else like God just said. And we should stand strong in our faith. So if we're going to be people of truth, we know we have this call to be light. And what does light do? Light exposes dishonesty. It does. What else does light do? It shines the light on the proper path. 
so that other people don't trip when they go and fall. So it's a beautiful opportunity for us to, again, bring light to a situation and not heat. That's what I want us to get. I think that's what Jesus would want us to get. On everything we're going to talk about today and through the next few weeks, we have to be able to bring truth and light and not heat to the situation as a follower of Christ. All right? So regardless of where we stand politically, we could, should be all able to all agree that this virus and the lockdowns have been heavily politicized. Heavily. And if you don't believe me on that, go look state to state and then come back and tell me why you think it's not. Because the things that have taken place state to state across our nation are dependent on who your governor is. I don't know about you, but I didn't know before all this that a governor was so important. Did you? <laughs> do now. I'm sure you do as well. We've had people actually move out of the church here, not because of the church, but leave the state to go to a place where a governor is that leads like they think they should lead. That's pretty rough, but that's the world we're in today. So we know elections matter. So get out and vote, <laughs> right? First and foremost, and that'll be another sermon down the road. You'll really want that one. Not supposed to talk about politics in church, Pastor. Really? We're going to. Because Satan's using it to deceive many and to... And, and to and to lead people astray and to, and to do evil in our society. So we have to talk about it. We can't hide. But this virus, unfortunately, in the midst of everything, no matter where you stand on what's going on and all that, is deadly for some. It's caused real pain, real hurt, real devastation. Even amongst some of the people in our church, we've lost loved ones due to this virus. People have lost loved ones. And it's, and it's a hard thing. It's really hard. And even inside of that, knowing that some people are, are dying from this, we still again have false information fed into the death count. If you recall back, I was thinking last summer, there's some dude in Florida died on a motorcycle. They tagged that he died of COVID. How do you do that? I don't know. That stuff's very real. You can Google it if you don't believe me. But there are still some misinformation in everything that's going on around this. So what is truth? Where should we stand? That's the hard part. Here's the true part. These lockdowns, not just in the U.S., but across the world, have, have caused devastating effects beyond the virus. It's caused devastating effects on mental health, the economy, on people's lives in general. Experts even warned that the pandemic would lead to this if we kept it in this situation. It would lead to a mental health crisis, and we've seen that. It would lead to mass unemployment. We've seen that. It would lead to social isolation and anxiety and depression. We've seen that. And it's taken toll on people. Looked up some mental health statistics that now in the United States through the pandemic, that four out of 10 people in the United States have anxiety and depression disorders. Do you know how many it was before the pandemic? One out of 10. It's now four out of 10. Just from everything in the storm. Do you think people need peace? Do you think we need to stop screaming and yelling and provide some hope and some peace in the midst of this somehow, church? People are hurting. People are hurting and they're searching. And as a result of this increased anxiety and depression, addictions have skyrocketed. And we'll be talking about some of these down the road, drugs, alcohol as well. 
And there is a huge spike in the use of alcohol and drugs through this pandemic, especially among women with alcohol. Survey was taken and 50% of people said that they have spiked their use of alcohol and drugs to the point of even with drugs sometimes being close to overdosing. Trying to numb the pain. (laughs) Trying to just make it through another day. The last thing they need to hear is the church of Jesus Christ screaming and yelling. In Japan, in one month, they had more suicides in one month, the month of October last year, because of the pandemic, than they had COVID deaths through the whole year in that 10-month period. I want you to think about that. More people took their lives because of how things were going than the virus itself through 10 months, just in four weeks. And through all that, you got to start to ask yourself, is what we're doing really effective? Are we really trying to save people? The exact number was 2,153 committed suicide. 2,087 died from COVID in a 10-month period. But one month, more of them took their life. Scary times. As many of a third of small businesses have closed due to the pandemic and millions of small businesses say they fear they'll not be able to make it through this at all, that they'll close for good. Children are are paying an ultimate price. Journal of American Medicine, uh, one of the premier um, medical journals in, in our nation, in November had an article come out that looked at this toll on kids And that they have this equation that they go through that looks at the length and quality of a kid's education, and they can predict the length of their lifespan. Can you believe that? That the length and quality of your education can predict your lifespan. And I'm sure there's a bunch of extraneous variables in that, like where you'll live, how you'll eat, you know, all that kind of stuff, your access to health care. There's a lot of variables in that. But get this. Through this pandemic, because of closing schools and, and, and everything that's going on, they're in their journal now. They said that there's a predicted, an estimated 5.3 million years of loss of life in the age of 5 to 11-year-olds across the nation because of the closures. Estimated that these kids that are, why? Why would you say that? Yeah, just the online. They were online. They were working. But it's shown that only 60% of the kids online are actually doing any work. And a third of them that are doing work do it every day. Most of them just do it in clumps. My wife can testify to that. She teaches online. And, man, there's kids that don't turn in assignments for weeks, even months. It's crazy. Where's our education going? And it predicts length of life. We know also when you look at actual survival rates in this, the the numbers are up and they can't be denied. There's a survival rate if you're in the age 0 to 49 of ranges anywhere depending on where you look between 99.99 and 99.998% survival rate from a virus. If you're in the age 50 to 69 group, 99.5% survival rate. If you're 70 and above, it's 95% survival rate. And that's where you get the combinations and the stuff where 
There's extra comorbidities that play into that and, and how people respond to the virus on what's already going on in their body. So in a sense, when you look at statistics like that, it's, it's actually maybe not a pandemic because a pandemic affects everybody, right? So, I mean, everybody can get this, but we know that there's uh, estimates, again, you see varying things anywhere from 30% to 80% people don't show symptoms. So you could conservatively extrapolate that about half the people that get COVID-19 don't show any symptoms. So not everybody is affected. It's, we're talking about a, a small percentage, so it's more of a syndemic than a pandemic, in a sense, as far as the adverse reactions to this. Next question for some truth, I feel like, would be to look at, are more people dying than died in other years? That would be a good indicator as to how serious is the severity of this. John Hopkins did a study and showed that COVID has no increasing effect on the total number of deaths in the U.S. I want to say that again. John Hopkins did a study and said COVID has no increasing effect on the total number of deaths in the U.S. Well, what do you mean? Is that corroborated? Yes. CDC puts out statistics on this, and you can go look this up. The deaths of older people stayed the same, all right, before and after COVID in that age group. If you look from the years from 2014 to 2020, all right, that the death rate, the total number of deaths stayed the same, roughly annually. When you look at that, you can see there was a, the total decrease in deaths over uh, by all other causes, including heart disease and stuff like that, was almost exactly matched by the increase in deaths due to COVID. There's some truth that can't be denied. There was a, something called the, the Great Barrington Declaration, all right? And what this was was a, a series of uh, a group of medical experts that got together and were saying that, hey, they were sounding the alarm. There's going to be great consequences if we stay in the pandemic like this and keep handling it like we've been handling it. That there's going to be dangers of these lockdowns and we're going to be in this catastrophic effect that won't be reversed. And they were saying that basically what we've gone through was an overreaction. And there was upwards of 10,000 people that signed their name to this. Medical experts, scientists, doctors. Once you think about it, that's a significant number of people saying, hey, wake up. We're overreacting here. So once you think about that. We know even inside the numbers of, of positive cases and stuff that there's, there's a lot uh, of false positives. We've even had some in our church, people that got the rapid test. It came back positive. They started the quarantine, had to go back, get a, a blood test, and it came back negative. The blood test, by the way, is more um, accurate. So there was a false positive. Thought they had it, and they would have quarantined and, and freaked everybody else around. Oh, no, you got it, baby. You got it. I saw it. But they didn't have it. And it's been a lot of it across that board. Red Cross did a study. When did all this start? Everybody thought, oh, you know, March was when it was really ramping up and everything. Red Cross did a study in their blood bank in 2019. They went back and checked the samples of the blood they had from October to December and found 2% of their blood samples had COVID antibodies in it already. It was here in 2019. We were nobody freaking out then. Here's the point. Is this virus real? Yes. Is it deadly for some? Absolutely. Should you take wise precautions considering the situation you are in? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
you should live wise, not unwise, okay? But we should not, especially as a body of Christ, be led away and fell, fallen victim to lies and deception, okay? So when we see things going on around us that's often proposed and supported by the leaders, but then they don't follow up themselves with the same regulations that they impose on us, realistically, we could start to question and believe, do they really believe what they're asking us to do? I mean, when you see the leaders that are pushing all this and they're having a party with themselves and they're all around and they got 200 people in their party and everybody's, you know, hugging and close up and nobody's got a mask on. But then they tell you not to have a a Fourth of July party because you could spread the virus. You start to. What? And rightly so. Rightly so. So what is truth? What should we be doing? I think it's different in terms of what we're looking at for each person, but we shouldn't be living in fear, complete paralyzation by it. This disease kills, doesn't kill like they first predicted, praise God, where they estimated millions of people were supposed to die within the first months or whatever, however it looked. Praise God it wasn't that. But then where's this continued push? Again, I think it goes back to maybe there's, Something wrong in the heart of man sometimes, right? The Bible tells us that, that the heart of man is evil and desperately wicked above all things. So maybe there is sometimes some some push for fear so that power can be gained or control can be gained, political control, money. Who knows? Who knows? But we know we have some truths here. The virus is real. The virus is deadly to some. Absolute truth. Absolute truth, we should live wise, but not in fear. Absolute truth right there from from God's word. Another truth is a lot of these things we're getting pushed out. We're finding not to be true. So we have to be wise as followers of Christ and looking at this so that we can now bring peace, light, and not heat to a situation. One of the biggest arguments you'll see and one of the biggest things that have been asked on, and it's a hot topic right here in this county now, is a mask, right? And my job's not to sit up here and to, to go through the efficacy of a mask versus the, you know, it, it works versus doesn't work. That's not what God wants me to do up here, okay? You've got information you can go check, and I can already tell you because I did. There's studies that say it does work. There's studies that say it ain't worth 10 cents. Who you believe? I don't know. All right, so you have to, to, there's a relative truth you have to follow. If you feel like you need to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't feel like you need to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. But this is what we cannot do as the church of Jesus Christ. We cannot look at somebody wearing a mask and say that person doesn't have faith or living in fear. We can't do it. We cannot look at somebody who's not wearing a mask and say that person doesn't love their brother. It's not the truth. Amen. Everybody should be applauding to that. Because we should have grace and mercy for each other and realize, again, we're in the same storm. We're not in the same boat. But here's the thing I think we all should agree on. Nobody should be mandating anybody do jack, right? They should let people decide what they want to do for their lives, their family, and their health, okay? And that's the beautiful part, all right? And that's the part that's being missed. Because if we go back to this control and agenda and power and fear thing, there's studies out there you can look through. I'm not even going to go through them. Here's the bigger one, the vaccine. The vaccine is a a big question. And this is where it gets a little deeper because now you start talking about your body, 
all right? Now you start talking about your, your actual health and, and, and uncertainties down the road in the future. How's your body going to respond to the actual shot? How's it going to respond down the road? Here's the truth. Nobody can tell you how it's going to respond down the road. Nobody. We've seen some examples of how some people have responded when getting the shot. Some people have died. Some people have neurologic disorders, pericarditis. You've heard all that. Most people don't have a reaction. But again, most people don't have a reaction to COVID either. All right? So you can start to kind of just gather this in and make decisions for yourself. Here's the biggest question around that besides just the uncertainty, because nobody can tell you what's going to happen to you two years, five years, ten years down the road. Nobody can, all right? Because they haven't done the studies. It's brand new, all right? So you have to weigh the risk there. You have to weigh your risk of COVID symptoms. How's my body going to handle COVID versus how's my body going to handle the shot, all right? That, that's where you have to make your own decision. Again, it should not be mandated on you. It should be left to yourself about what you feel like you need to do. Okay? So here we are. Big question around the vaccine, especially as a followers of Christ that I get as, as I get so many requests for vaccination letters, everything, is, is the idea of the fetal stem cell use in the vaccines and under research. Great question. Fetal stem cells, we know, is derived from abortion, fetal tissue. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you and I should always be 100% against abortion. No debate. That will be another Sunday service as well, all right? So nobody should be pro-abortion, okay? Here's what I want to catch, though. This is where it gets complicated. Some people would say because they use fetal stem cells in the even development of the vaccination that a follower of Christ shouldn't use it, okay? I get that argument. Again, we don't agree with abortion. That's what they use, blah, blah, blah. But here, here's some truth, and you can go research this. It's not just this vaccination that fetal stem cells have been used for in fetal tissue, guys, okay? So let me give you some truth here and for you to weigh out because the vac uh, there's other vaccinations that have used this type of tissue for years, even since the 19... I guess the 30s, when the polio vaccination was made, they used fetal tissue. Of course, they didn't have stem cells back then, but they used fetal tissue to see how the stuff would be uh, effective toward it. So here's the question. If we take the total stance that nobody should ever take anything that's ever used in fetal stem cell use in any way, shape, or form, that means none of us should have been vaccinated from polio. All right, I'm just throwing some truth out that we shouldn't be vaccinated from chickenpox, rubella, the shingle vaccination, they all use some form of this in their study, okay? I know it gets a little weird, too, because some vaccinations actually put the fetal stem cells in there. I don't know about you, but that's an absolute no for me. That's, that's weird stuff. All right, my point is this. A lot of medications that we use over the past even 70 years since we're alive, even though we don't know it, have been using fetal tissue, fetal stem cells in the study of it, okay? It's there. You can look it up. Please do. Please look it up and prayerfully ask the Lord what he would have you do, where he would have you stand on this because there's the challenge. We've already had other vaccinations in our body that have that. So, so this is what I'm saying. We can't say that somebody that takes this vaccine is going against God. We can't say that somebody that doesn't take it is, again, not wise and doesn't love their, their fellow brothers. Or, I mean, so the, the complications are, are, are grotesque and, and massive. But we have to look at truth. Another thing that the Lord laid up on my heart is, is when knowing that Although none of us would sign up and sign on the dotted line, if you had to sign for the shot and says, I approve of abortion, I agree. Let's not do that, all right? 
I'm not going to check that box. Would you? Okay, so I'm not agreeing if I take that shot or if I get vaccinated for polio or chickenpox that, that abortion is right. I'm not agreeing to that. I'm taking something that they used, unfortunately, with uh, doing evil, okay? It's unfortunate, but that's how things go and that what things are being done. So there's a fine line here. But then also think about this. Let's say down the road through all this stem cell used to have that eventually you have a child, an eight-year-old girl or something, and, and she's got leukemia. And then within a year, they come up with this, this treatment that they used, unfortunately, fetal stem cells in the study of, and they found the cure for it. Would you give them the shot or not give them the shot? I don't know what the answer to that is. I'm telling you to look and really weigh the facts out before we fight one another so hard. That's what I'm getting at. Each one of us have to really get with Jesus and weigh out what the Lord wants us to do and not bring heat and fight constantly to everything that's going on. Even one of the more popular things that people are doing now, and, and they may not know it, is something called monoclonal antibody drug therapy. If you get the virus, you can go to one of these things, I think it's through Regeneron, and they can give you monoclonal antibody drug therapy to, to help you suppress the effects of the virus and whatnot. Fetal stem cell line HEK293T was used in the development of that um, treatment. It's not used in the antibody treatment itself, but it was used in the development. What I found in study is they use this a lot to see how these things are going to affect cells in our body. And will they be effective? It's unfortunate. There has to be another way. But I just want to share with you the reality of what's out there as we look to make wise decisions. All right. Here's the scary part. This virus for the first time in our life, we're seeing there's a power of people over us to shut things down, to make things more global. And as a follower of Christ, and we've read the book of Revelations, and we know what's to come, for the first time, we can see a bigger picture starting to unfold in our society, okay? And again, like we talked about last week, that shouldn't scare us. That should, that should actually uh, alert us to the days may be near, and what are we to do as followers of Christ? So again, what would Jesus say? First thing he would say is, look at this truth. Where's truth? Where's absolute truth that you can stand on? Where's relative truth that you need to give grace and mercy to your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and not lose your testimony over and bring light and not heat to a, to a situation? That's first and foremost. Second, what I believe Jesus would tell us is to take care of your body and your immune system. I think we could all agree that it gets pretty scary when we have found out that this virus was made in a lab, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, last year that was a conspiracy theorist, you know, thing that believed that, but then when Fauci's emails come out, we found like, oh, okay, that was true, wasn't it? Yeah. So that's scary when you know they're making stuff like this to attack people, and, and it's just, so what do you do? You live in fear? No, let's take care of our body. I think the Lord would say that biblically. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. And we know that in the context of this verse, it's talking about sexual immorality, which we'll get more into next week. But still, there's an application for our body being the temple of God. That verse says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 100%. All right? 
So we know, although the context was sexual immorality, there's application there that our body is God's. It's not our own. We're to take care of it, all right? That we're the temple of the Lord. I love uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. It says, for bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. So there is some benefit of taking care of our bodies, of exercise, but we cannot put it before godliness. We can't worship our bodies. We can't worship what's going on in us and, and take matters in our own hands. We, we push toward godliness and then take care of our body as well. So I think it would be wise for all of us to, to eat healthy, to, to get some exercise, to get outside, to, to really do what we can to, to make our bodies as healthy as, as we can have them, to, to take the proper vitamins. You can go to your doctor and check first, but a lot of people are, are reaching out for zinc, vitamin D, uh, vitamin C, all this stuff to, to help strengthen their immune system and, and prepare it for, for everything. Nothing wrong with that, but please check with your doctor first before you do anything like that. But God, I believe and I know, would tell us to take care of your bodies, for it's your temple. And it's going to help you fight this because we see the people with those stronger immune systems are faring the better on this. They don't have all the complications going on behind the scenes. Thirdly, Jesus would say, don't forsake the gathering in this time. Oh, wouldn't he? Oh, wouldn't he? I think he would remind his church, hey, in the midst of all this... Don't let Satan keep you from getting together. Don't let Satan close your church. Definitely not while Walmart's open <laughs> and Lowe's and Home Depot and restaurants and 67,000 people in Lane Stadium the other day. You think we're going to go close the church down and that happening? You had to drag me out of here by my hair and I ain't got none. You know what I'm saying? Man. No, 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 no. Do not forsake the gathering. We're going to be wise. We're going to take precautions. We're going to let everybody, you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. You don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. We're going to wash our hands. We're going to live wise. We're going to come and worship Jesus, and we're going to put him foremost and glorify him in his name. Amen. Jesus would tell us that. Don't forsake the gathering. I think he would say, seize the opportunity for evangelism. Again, keep your testimony. Man, reach out to others. People are hurting, man. People are, are, are lost and they're searching for peace and hope. And we're to be salt and light in this world. And I think he would push that. 1 Timothy 4 gives us another charge uh, to, to not forsake the public preaching and teaching of the word. Hebrews chapter 10, 25, we know that. It says, don't forsake the gathering as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And I love the end part, especially as you see the day, capital D, approaching especially as you see the day approaching. I don't know about you, but I can see the day approaching, can't you? So we should especially not forsake the gathering. Now we should especially be on mission for Jesus and fulfill the great commission of Matthew 28 to go and make disciples, all right? Here's a beautiful thing. You get in a situation where people are, are, are talking about a, a, a mask, a no mask or a vaccine, no vaccine, beautiful opportunity to open up the gospel, Say, hey, you know, man, we could talk about that all you want. You may have a different view than I do, and that's okay right now. But, man, can I, can I show you some truth on this? Everything that's, that's hunkered around the mask and, and the virus and stuff has a whole lot to do with fear of the future. You ever thought about that? Everybody fears how their 
body may react to the virus. Everybody fears how their body may react to a vaccine. There's fear of the future, fear of what's to come. People are, are fearing that if we don't wear a mask and don't get vaccinated, that life will never go back to normal. You ever thought about what is normal? What's God want? You ever thought about where, where your future is? Do you know Jesus? Have you ever thought about if you died, if you did respond uh, adversely to COVID, where would you spend eternity? Beautiful opportunity, church, to speak Jesus first. Avoid the fight of a mask and a vaccine and speak Jesus. Please share the gospel. Share it. Man, salt and light. We're to be salt and light. And we don't have to go through that. We just went through that there a couple weeks ago pretty heavily that, that we are the salt of the earth. And if we lose our saltiness, we're no good for nothing. Be trampled on. That we're the light of the world. And we don't put a, a lamp and, and put it under a bowl. We, we shine it so everybody in the house can have light. And that's what we're to do. And that doesn't mean that in the, in the context of all this that we don't stand for freedom either. Let me get that first and foremost. Because obviously there's a, a debate around Romans 13 and how much we should obey the government and just bow to them and this, that, and the other, whatever they want. And, and I would push to you that right now, under the United States of America, there is a greater governing force over us that was put in place many years ago called the Constitution, right? So even though the leaders come and leaders go, there is a major governing force over the United States of America called the Constitution. The leaders we put in place take an oath to uphold that which is the umbrella over our nation. So the leaders that come in and try to go against this, all right, you see my point? You see where I'm getting? And there's a debate there on how much you just bow and follow. And, 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 so, and you, that's a dangerous place to just say bow and follow, you know, everything the government says. And, and when they're going against a, a governing authority that our founding forefathers who has the honor of God in their heart put in place over us. Because then you could say, well, what about the Jews? If that happens again, do we just fall in line and go to concentration camps and do everything else again? Big debate. Big question. Again, look at truth. Be salt and light. You can stand for freedom. You can stand for our rights under the governing authority of the Constitution that God allowed us to have in place. But we need to do it by bringing light and not heat. Can I say that again? We can stand for our freedoms in such a way that would be inviting for people to join us and not ready for people to kill us. That's where we got to figure out what that is. Lord, help us. Especially as the church, we can't lose our testimony over sight because the Bible and the Great Commission trump our Constitution, all right? 100% of the times, we are to be more allegiant to Jesus, all right, and how we respond. And then we can fight for our freedoms and authorities uh, 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 over this nation. And rightly so, we should, because if we don't, we're going to lose it, all right? And some people may say, well, I, I believe we should be mandating all this. Great, that's your opinion. But then here's the scary part. If you're okay with that, the next thing they come and mandate, you may not want. Are they allowed to push that on you then? You see my point? And, and, and there's, this, there's this dilemma, this fight that we have to, as followers of Christ, know when to stand and how to stand so that we can glorify God. Number five, Jesus would definitely say, right now, stop the division. Stop the division. The enemy wants to divide and conquer. Jesus said in Luke eleven seventeen, a house divided against itself does what? It falls. 
Guys, if we keep getting in arguments over all this surrounding stuff that a lot of us have great emotion and opinions on, and that's great, but if we keep fighting, fighting, fighting each other and dividing the church of Christ, Satan wins over all of it. And we can't let that happen because so many times our call in Scripture is for unity. Paul said in the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 1 that have no divisions among you. We know Acts chapter 2 said they were of one accord and doing life together. That's what we need to do. We may have difference of opinions on some issues. That's okay. As long as we are, are grounded on the absolute truths that we must stand on. James chapter 4 verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Doesn't it come from your desires that battle within you? Oftentimes our fights and quarrels are, are just... Selfish ambition, sometimes, again, led by truth and rightness, and other people come against that, but we need to, in those times, figure out how to bring light and not heat. I love 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14, and then also 23 and 24. We're going to read it out of the NIV. It says, keep reminding God's people of these things. Here's where I know Jesus was saved because he said it already in his word. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value. It only ruins those who listen. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. There's your word from Jesus right there on that. 100%. Remind us. Light, but not heat. We can stand where we need to stand, but we can't do it in a way that pushes everybody away, where they won't even listen to the gospel that we're supposed to share with them. Proverbs 26, 17, he who passes by and meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a dog by the ears. One passage, uh, one translation has a stray dog. You imagine grabbing a stray dog by the ears, it tear you up, right? That's, that's like one who just passes by and jumps into argument just to jump in. Cause more division, cause more strife. Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. Look at that first part. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer. We think before we speak. Does, is this going to edify somebody, lift people up? Is this going to provide light and not heat? Is this going to glorify God? We need to think before we speak. Six and final Last point as we close. Jesus would say, be at peace and share peace with everyone. We're called to be this eye in the center of this storm, this hurricane. We know that this peace that we can have in our life won't come from ourselves. It'll come from Christ. This peace that we're to share won't come from ourselves or our actions. It'll come from Christ through us as we live out him and his spirit in our lives. Christ is the prince of peace. Isaiah told us that, that he is the prince of peace. And we're to seek his peace. We're to seek his presence in our lives so that we can have wisdom and perspective on, on these topics and on godly issues so that we can give peace to a world who needs it. Proverbs fifteen eighteen in the NIV says this, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Again, I told you I was going to go through a lot of scripture because if Jesus was going to come, he would be going back to scripture because I want you to hear his word, not mine. Nothing I've given is my opinion. I've tried to only give you facts and details in scripture. 
Romans 12, 17 through 18, NIV, says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Does that mean we get walked over like a doormat? Absolutely not, followers of Jesus. That's not what he's asking us to do. But he's asking us, as far as it depends on us, to try to keep peace, to try to to exude hope and life and light and not just argument. Romans 14, 19 in the NIV says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. I couldn't say it any better than God's word, so I just figured I'd share with you what he already wrote. Jesus is calling us church right now to be the church, first and foremost. Yes, there's a battle ahead as rights start to get taken left and right, and we know what all that's leading to. We know that all this mandate and and control and everything is just nothing more than a dress rehearsal for what's to come, the big dance of the mark. In the midst of that, we have to be the church and to share Christ, that other people can see Jesus in and through us, even though we take a stance that's maybe very different than somebody else. Close with the story you're so familiar with from Matthew chapter 14. Another storm had raged and the disciples were in the boat. It was early in the morning and Jesus came walking out to them on the water in the midst of the storm. And they didn't recognize him at first. And Peter said, Lord, is it you? If it's you, let me come out to you. He said, come on. You know the story. Peter steps out of the boat in the middle of the storm. And because of the, the faith he had initially to get out of the boat, he started to walk on the water and do the impossible. But then the Bible says that he began to take his eyes off of Jesus and he got it back on the storm and the winds and the waves and he began to sink and he said Jesus save me Jesus picked him up and pulled him up and again said oh you have little faith church Jesus is calling us in the midst of a storm to step out of the boat, to maybe step out of our comfort zone, to keep our eyes on him so that he can do the impossible through us, so that he can bring peace and hope and salvation to a world that's lost and dying and going to hell and needs us. But if you and I take our focus off of Jesus and what he would have us do, and we put it back on the storm, and we put it back on the chaos and the arguments and we join in and we fight, 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 fight to the point of people not even wanting to see us come anymore, then we've lost the ability for God to do the impossible through us. And that's to reach them with the spirit of truth and the word. So let us today not just be hearers of God's word. We went through an awful lot of scripture, an awful lot. And I encourage you to go back, listen to it again, read all this scripture, 
ponder it, meditate on it, pray over it. Ask God, how can you apply it to where you're at today? And really seek, what does Jesus want you to do? How does he want you to be? Who does he want you to be? How does he want you to act and respond in a world that needs to see the eye in the center of the storm? And that eye comes to you and me, having Christ in the center of our lives so that we can have the peace only he can bring. Let's bow our head. Let's close our eyes. The Lord's calling us today. In many ways, and I believe the first way, if you're here today and you don't know him as Lord, you've never made him savior of your life, you've never surrendered, you've never had that point of repentance where you said, God, I'm tired of living my life on my own and for me and I'm ready to live my life for you. And I'm turning from my sin, I'm turning from the things of this world and I'm turning back to you. If you've never done that, that I want you to do that right now today. If you're here, you've never received Jesus, I want you to pray a prayer that I'm gonna lead you through and it has to be more than words because the words won't save you. It's the heart of which you are justified and yet you're saved. It's what Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us. Or maybe you're here and you said, Brad, man, I've been a Christian and lately I've man I've just I've been hurting man I've been I've been caught up in this storm you're talking about and man some it's caused me to even like you're talking about to be filled with anxiety depression man I've man I've, I've turned for the things of this world I've lost faith I've lost hope I feel like I'm failing to thrive spiritually and I want to come running back to Jesus today and I want to rededicate my life to him if that's you, I'm going to invite you to pray this same prayer from your heart to God's heart and mean business with him right now. So to receive him for the first time and rededicate your life, just say, Dear Lord, I'm falling on my knees right now in humility, admitting that I've messed up, that I'm a sinner, that I'm in need of you, my Savior. And I come in a repentant heart, meaning I want to turn away from everything that's deceived me, from everything that's destroyed me, from everything that I've turned to that wasn't of you. I turn away right now through the power of your spirit in me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross that I could have salvation, forgiveness of my sin and be set free and not have to live as a slave to sin anymore. And Lord, thank you for raising from the grave three days later in victory, proving that you're a God. And Lord, I want to claim that same victory right now in my life, Lord, because I need it. And my prayer, Father, is for you to help me have peace in my heart and life in the midst of this storm so that then other people can see peace of you through me because I want to be salt and light in your world. And my commitment to you is every breath I take and every step I make to be used for your glory from this point forward. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that and you meant business with God right now here today, you did that for the first time or you rededicated your life to him boldly and unashamed, I just want you to raise your hand and say, Brad, I prayed that prayer. I meant business with God right here today and I'm unashamed. Amen. We give Jesus a big round of applause for everything. So let's take take all the truth of this word and it was a lot we're going to have to all go back out over it and pray over it like I said Lord how would you have me 
do this right here, your word in response to all this. A lot of tough questions and, and things in there. I mean, even that whole debate over that vaccine and the fetal stem cell use. Fetal stem cell use is wrong. I mean, it is what it is. It comes from an aborted fetus. I don't, how do you deal with that, especially amongst all the other stuff that's already been developed that we've already taken in the past? I don't know what the answer to that is. Lord, help us. Lord, lead us. And Lord, uh, help us to put leaders in place in the future that come against abortion so that we can stop this. And there's other sciences and ways that we could research these vaccines and medicines and not do this. I don't know what the answer to all that is. But I hope you heard God's heart today. I tried to just present plain, simple truth that's out there for you to research, truth of God's word that's right there for us to ponder and think upon. And then really, 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 really pray about, Lord, how can I be the peace in the midst of this storm right now? God wants to use you. We've got to step out of the boat. We've got to keep our eyes on him and not on the storm. God's going to do the impossible through us. Because all the more as we see the day approaching, should we be vigilant to do the Great Commission? So Impact Church, let's take this word this week. Let's take it to heart. Let's pray over it. God, help us. God, lead us. Be salt and light in this place. That's making an impact for Jesus. Go do it. And we'll see you right here next Sunday. Thanks again for joining us today. The Lord is truly doing an amazing work and we would love for you to be a part of it. Check out the show notes for links to our website and social media pages. Or if you're ever in the Lynchburg or Forest, Virginia area, please come on by and join us in making an impact for Christ. Christ.